What's up, my Uncommon friends? Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Uncommon Podcast. We have a cool episode for you today as Brett had the privilege of sitting down with Westminster City Council Representative Dave DeMott. Um, I was so bummed I couldn't be there because Dave had some great information for all local governments, you know, across the United States here. So I know you'll get something from the episode, but I was really bummed I couldn't be there. As always, please share the show and episodes with those you know, or maybe someone um, that doesn't know about podcasts. What I'm finding out is I've been sharing these episodes with the people that I know, and I've actually had to show people, you know, the benefit of podcast versus radio. So maybe, maybe show a new person podcast and introduce them to those things uh, that way, Either way, we would appreciate it. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe and reviews of good or bad are always appreciated. Um, communicate with us at uncommonpodcast at outlook.com or you can call 720-336-0848. And with that, enjoy the episode. Everybody, welcome to the Uncommon Podcast with B Pop and Duff. We got a, a special podcast here for you today, special episode. Uh, I'll be uh, riding solo here. Uh, Duff is um, out on assignment doing something else. And so I've got a guest here uh, by the name of Dave DeMott, city councilman. Dave DeMott. And I wanted to bring him on to give us a little bit different perspective on the political landscape. Uh, you know, we always talk about national politics. But I wanted to get more into the local side of things, you know, why local politics are just as important, if not more important, than the national uh, political landscape. But before we start off, uh, we kick off every episode with a, with a uh, special thank you to all of our first responders, police, uh, firefighters, EMTs, and a very special thank you to all the active duty military and veterans that serve this great country. Uh, without you guys doing what you do, we could not do what we do. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. And with that, we'll kick it off. Dave, how you doing? Good. Uh, I, th I don't know if you know this, but it's pretty timely because this week is police week. Oh, is um, it really? Yeah. So I, the city where I'm a council person, we did a proclamation today declaring police week. And they go through and talk about how many officers lost their life last year. Um, and they talk about which ones in Colorado, uh, from Colorado, got their name added in Washington, D.C. to the monument. You know, it's it's definitely a time of reflection to be able to, um, you know, respect those those folks, which is always important to me. My dad's a retired Denver police officer. So, oh, that's fantastic. When did your dad retire? Um, gosh, he retired right before I got married. So probably about 16 years ago. OK. Um, you know, he he was a cadet when he was young. So he was a cop, I think, by the time he was 20. And oh, so cool. by the time he was like early 50s, he had retired, which. Yeah, that's, you know, kind of lifespan of a cop. That's rough on you. And, like, I, I had an old cop. Emotionally once, rough. Yeah, I had one cop tell me one time when I first was getting into politics. He's like, you know, if you got a cracked up guy breaking into your house, you don't want me showing up. You want one of these young guys showing up. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Like there's, you know, there's a, a, a lifespan on everything, I guess. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, a, I have a big heart for making sure that our police officers can lay down the shield, so to speak, at a, at a good age after they've done their and service. And still have a life. Yeah, and not, not be out there risking themselves, you know. We're right. all going to get there someday. It's not like a ageism or anything. It's just reality. It happens. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you know this, but our co-host here, Dustin Duff, he's a uh, ex-Denver cop. Okay. Yeah. yeah so cool. when you listen to some of those episodes, he tells some of those stories that some are funny, some are not. 
Yeah, no, my dad was a homicide for 14 years. So I, I was raised to know the bad side of humanity for sure. Uh, right. So it's, it's a different, it's a, it's a interesting world out there, I guess. Is nice Absolutely. It, but. Well, cool. Well, as I said at the beginning, I wanted to have you on to really talk about, you know, uh, your perspective, local politics, things like that. But why do you kind of share a little bit about yourself, um, kind of how you got in the position you're in and, sure. and that sort of thing? Sure. So I grew up in in the city of Westminster. Um, my folks actually still live in the same house I grew up in. Went to Mandalay Middle School, which is where I met my wife. Um, you know, and then uh, we kind of like we weren't high school sweethearts or anything. She was the first girl I took out, but. Then I went to Stanley Lake for a couple of years, and I actually am a high school dropout. I don't know if you remember that about sophomore year, I was <laughs> I was out. And uh, I don't remember much from high school. It's um, funny. I run into people, and like I'm I'm good with faces. I'm horrible with names, which isn't really good for politics. But it's a. Uh, I remember um, when I dropped out. Some of the people, you know, that I hung around, they're like, "Oh, you're going to be nothing," you know. I'm like, "No, I just hate this." And like I, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't bad in school. I had some health things that took me out freshman year, and then. I missed the second half of freshman year, went back sophomore year, and I was the only sophomore because I was behind a year anyway. Uh, when I was young, I was sick, and so I missed, like, I took kindergarten twice, which was the butt of the jokes with my older brother who's growing <laughs> up. But, uh, you know, they uh, gave me a really hard time about it, like, oh, you're not going to be anything. But I remember going back sophomore year. I'm the only sophomore in our class that had a car. And I'm like, I spent the whole first week by myself. I'm like, well, this sucks. <laughs> right. Like, I hate this. So I talked to my dad and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to get a career. Can I just GED it out? And which I had to wait to, you know, I think you had to be 17 to get your GED. And mm -hmm. um, I remember people telling me, oh, you're not going to be anything. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. I'm like, that's always kind of been a driving force for me. But, you know, fast forward. Ended up, I was going to be a cop. That was kind of my plan. Uh, when I was younger, I also liked to smoke pot, and that didn't go well with trying to be a cop. So <laughs> Now it would. Yeah, may, maybe. I don't know. But I kind of grew up past that and decided I was going to go to um, school for computers. was always good with computers. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, kind of when I went to school, that's when I dropped the whole smoking pot, which it wasn't all cool then when, you know, when I was a teenager. But right. Went to school for, if you remember, DIT, the 650-5050 that turned into Westwood College. Now yeah. it's not a thing anymore. Um, got my degree from there, paid extra because I went in with the GED, so that get, you get taxed a little bit for that. Um, you know, fast forward, pretty successful career in, in the IT field. I'm an executive for a company, um, and uh, I've been kind of on the executive side of IT for about five years now. Kind of smaller team, but... Um, met back up with my wife. This is actually kind of a funny story. So I used to go play pool all the time. And I don't know if that's really a thing anymore. Pool halls, you know, when we were younger, that was that, was that like table stakes, table stakes. I would go to, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, being a kid from the burbs, my dad would hear, we were down there being a policeman and he's like, you're where right. we used to go play at the BI on Colfax and Sheridan. Uh -huh. And, uh, those were kind of our main hangouts, but, um, like I got this horrible ability for, uh, being able to hit like a full table, touch about six banks and not touch a ball. And so everybody used to be like, oh, that's the Dave DeMott shot. Right. And so my wife, who's the first girl I ever took out, I took her to freshman homecoming at Stanley. And, uh, you know, she was out with a friend of ours, our friend Carrie, who worked for her. 
I hadn't seen her in, in forever. She had, was just kind of going through a, uh, the end of a bad marriage. And um, I guess they were at uh, Pinky's over there that used to be over on 92nd. Yep. And somebody did that. And she's like, oh, that's a Dave DeMott shot. And uh, so then I guess they're driving home. And she's like, did you say Dave DeMott? Because I know a Dave DeMott. And uh, she's like, yeah, that's my friend. you know. And then they realize that. They knew her, and the funny thing, I used to carry that picture of her in my wallet because I was like, that's right, I can get a hot girl to go out with me. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, she's like, I know you, you're that girl in his wallet. So they end up, you know, they end up calling me, and me and her ended up hitting it off and, and getting married. So I have uh, uh, two stepkids and um, two of my own. So, you know, four of them, two girls, two boys. The two oldest are girls, and the two younger are boys. That's cool. Um, so, you know, and uh, she works down at the state house as an aide, and I'm a, a executive and in a, in a <laughs> city councilman. So, right. It's a but kind of you know I know you asked like what got me into politics, and so always been a political junkie, like always like oh I'm going to run for city council someday, which I don't you know that's every kid's dream, right? I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> But was just always interested in it. And I was a, so my kids, I moved back into the neighborhood where I grew up because I wanted my kids to go to the school that I went to because Mm -hmm. we were over in District 50. That's now Westminster Public Schools, which has come a long ways. It's actually a really good school district. But then was kind of when they were really having some bad, bad uh, problems. I didn't want my kids to get, you know, poor education. So we had moved. And while we were over there, I had went to a parent teacher or parent-teacher group PTA meeting with my wife. And they're like, oh, you know, we're not going to have a PTA next year because nobody wants to do it. And uh, I'm I'm like, I'll do it. That doesn't sound that hard. You know, being a guy going in, taking over PTA, they they don't like that. And I don't want to sound like bad but they didn't like a guy coming in there doing that. <laughs> wasn't your wasn't oh, your position you right? you want to mean politics go try to be in a pta oh i'm sure um you know but um while yeah, we were managing a that, bake sale is probably pretty rough that <laughs> was a little funner than that we did like fall carnival all the stuff that like i liked when i was a kid i'm like we're doing all that stuff right but uh during that time my one of the kids at the school actually got abducted and murdered um, by a 17 year old. And so uh, I remember when that was going on and, and hearing about it, like they actually came knocking on our door because she was my daughter's friend. And they're like, Hey, have you seen this kid? Nobody's was that, seen her was that Jessica Ridgeway? Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and we're like, you know, talking to our daughter. And like, I remember it was like freaking out. And uh, I used to play a lot of flag football. And I, the next day I went to my football game and then my wife is calling. She's like, they're, out still looking for this kid she's like can we go look for him and i'm like you know my dad's the career he he went by this time i'm like this doesn't seem like this is probably you know going in a good direction and like kind of a realist like you know worst case scenario kind of person like hope for the best and you know realize that doesn't always happen but i remember having that thought and just we saw you know really a community come together um in in some good ways over something really bad um, you know, you know, that whole thing, that kid ended up getting arrested and everything is pretty horrible situation. You know, I know that family really well and, you know, they're great people, but they, uh, 
the way that they handled that and what the impact it had on the community just, you know, really touched us. And it really changed the tra- trajectory of mine and my wife's lives and you know, everything we've done since as far as like our community service or running for office has something to do with that because you just kind of look at yourself and, and think, what are we leaving for our kids? Like what this, this kid got murdered by this other kid and like, what's going on that, you know, that that's even a thing. Like, right. you know, what went wrong in that, that guy's life that, you know, I mean, I truly do believe some people just desert, decide to do evil, but I also think there's something broken in them. And, you know, whatever that is, if it's something somebody else did to them or, you know, maybe they, I don't know if some people are just born wired wrong, you know, so there's potentially mental health, you know, who knows? There's so many different things. But um, I remember there was a distinct moment when they were telling everybody before they caught this kid and they didn't know what happened they knew that there was somebody willing to do some horrific things. And they're like, you need to lock yourself in and don't trust anybody. Don't trust your neighbors. That's basically what happened in that neighborhood. Well, it's kind of, it was almost like a serial killer yeah, type they, of thing. Cause they didn't know. Yeah. And I mean, in the, and the, really it was a beginning of one had yeah, they not caught him. Yeah. Uh, well, if you, if you followed the story, he had tried to, um, subdue a jogger about six months before. And I remember we were sitting around drinking beer and we heard about that over at Kentner Lake. And I guess that, that girl roughed that kid up pretty good, but he, he, you know, it's obvious he didn't have good intent with what he was trying, you know, to pull. So, so, you know, very well could have, you know, who knows. But I remember that moment when they were saying, you know, lock yourself behind your doors. And I'm like, we can't do that. Like, like you can't like I just bought a house in the neighborhood I grew up in. And that's kind of my dream. Right. I'm going to go back to where I grew up and I'm going to raise my family there. Like and you start seeing that. I'm like, we can't give into this. Like this isn't this neighborhood. Yeah, this bad thing happened. But that's not this neighborhood. That's not this community. And uh, so I wanted to do something good. And I wanted to do this um, take back your neighborhood walk because, you know, she got abducted on her way to school. Mm-hmm. And so and it didn't really have anything to do with the school. And it got really political where the schools were like, oh, you know, that didn't have anything like they didn't want it to seem like it was their fault. I think it's I don't really it always kind of was like, well, I'm just trying to do something positive for the community. And so the, the idea was try to, to bring down the the fear factor. Yeah, really and in the like, community. hey, this is our neighborhood. Like, we, right. you know, this is ours. Like we need to come together. And um, I wanted to do like a walk from where she went missing from to the high school to the junior high back to the elementary school, just like a kind of walk us solidarity. Sure. And I ended up getting pulled into this uh, meeting. They're like, Hey, we're going to go meet with these principals. And so, um, you know, and, and I always laugh because like I'm, I dropped out of that whole <laughs> network of schools. Right. <laughs> right. So I end up in this meeting with Frank DeAngelis, who was the principal from Columbine. Yeah. Amazing man. He's like the most popular principal yeah, in all of Colorado history. Amazing man. But like he was part because like, you know, he'd been through tragedy. So he was like trying to lend his experience to try to help a, another community going through a rough, rough um, situation. A uh, bunch of superintendents from Jeffco Public Schools, the head of security, uh, SROs from the police department, the spokesperson from the police department. And I'm in there in my independent hoodie and some dickies thinking like, what the H did I get myself into? I'm like this, like, I think I'm out of my league here. And uh, <laughs> right. what, what ended up happening is they asked me if I could get, cause I ended up having all these parents behind me because I think people just wanted something to get behind. They wanted something good. They were afraid, you know, they didn't, you know, they were upset, you know, they're worried about, you know, this little girl and like, and how it was going to impact our kids, which the mental health impact that that's had in that community has been a long-term bad effect. Oh, absolutely. But, 
but anyway, you know, so they bring me into this meeting and they're like, hey, we need you to back off this idea, which I think we're going to talk about this, you know, take back your neighborhood walk that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. They're like, but we have something else going. We're going to uh, they renamed a park that used to be called Chelsea Park, which was just nobody. Like they did a bunch of research to figure out it was Chelsea somebody. It's just a name they got from, you know, across the pond that they a lot of our parks are named after somewhere in England, um, you know, just like the, the name of the city. And um, they said, we're going to change that to Memorial Park, which is a beautiful park if you never went over there. And uh, even um, so they said, could you get all these parents to hold off and let's you know, help this. So I got to be on that committee to help build that park. Um, like even actually I worked at the Atkins diet company at the time. So if you go look, there's a, a, like a ribbon that has all the names of the people who donated a certain amount of money or more. And there's a couple different organizations, including the, the job I had at the time that I was able to say, you know, can you donate? I mean, the amount that I donated compared to some of the big donors wasn't, you know, a lot, but, but we even had kids, like even my daughter, like they donated out of their their piggy banks because they wanted that park to happen. And I mean, it's a, a great park and there's still a lot of kids, you know, going and playing there, which I think is kind of nice because that was always kind of the shitty park in town. <laughs> right, like, right. like, oh, I was going to hang out and go slum over at Chelsea Park. So, <laughs> um, like, it's, you know, a beautiful park and it ended up, that's a great thing for the community and just being able to take that and, and go to something good. And, you know, that kind of was the, the catalyst for me. Like, just like it was like, we just can't. We couldn't go back. Like I've heard my wife share that with people before. Like you just couldn't go back to life as it was. Like you know, we we you know saw that we could make an impact, and um, you know earlier on we were talking about why why me? Like why not? Like everybody's got to do their exactly. part. And like I ended up with this platform, so it's like you know this is a waste to not try to do something positive out of it. You know, one might argue <laughs> not everybody likes my policy all the time. So one might argue it's not not positive, but, you know, I am trying to make a positive impact in, in the city I grew up in. And Well, that's the nature of politics, right? Yeah. yeah. You're going to make 40 percent of the people happy. You're going to piss off 40 percent. And then there's going to be 20 percent that goes either way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so it's been an interesting journey. It was, you know, and then I <clears throat> they always send out a thing saying, Hey, you could run for city council. And, and I saw my wife, cause I was, was joking about it. Like I'm going to run for city council cause I'm cool like that. And my wife's <laughs> like, Hey, this thing in the, from the city came and you could go to this uh, meeting and learn how you can run for council. And I was like, okay. So I put it on my calendar. I'm going to go. I got stuck at work that night and I was like, eh, maybe next year. And that same uh, week or two weeks, um, somebody who, now we don't get along at all. Actually, she's uh, kind of a pain. I won't name names, but she, yeah, let, let's not do yeah, that. <laughs> she she came knocking on my door and was like, hey, "I'm running for city council," and uh, you know, and I was up listening. And my wife's giving her giving her a hard time, like, "Oh, well, my husband's gonna run." And like you do that in a city election, like everybody's like, "Well, who's your husband?" You know, like right. Well, next thing I know, I'm getting cyber stalked by people I don't even know, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then I was like, "Huh." And I like I saw this person's lit and stuff and I didn't really like what it had to say. It just felt really fake to me. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, so I end up calling the city clerk and I'm like, hey, like I missed that meeting. Can I still learn like what it takes? And um, I went and sat with her, the the former city clerk. She's this nice lady who had been the city clerk forever, had a great conversation with her. And I left deciding, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run. And, uh, you know, it took me I ran twice before the third time that I actually won. But each time I came close and I was like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to see what happens. I end up 600 votes away from actually winning. I was like, oh my gosh, you know? Right. Um, 
because I've been in the community forever. I well, and you learn a lot, it. right? Le- learned a ton. And for me, I, for those four years before I ended up getting elected the third election, I literally sat in every single meeting or listened to them. I would pull tapes. They didn't used to have everything online like they do now. That was actually something I really argued because one time they tried to charge me for pulling tapes. And I was like, I'm a taxpayer. Like that person is being representing paid me. Yeah. I'm like, why should I have to pay to get a public meeting just because it's a pain because I want all of them, which is not normal. I mean, as far as like people, I wish more people went and listened to what their government's doing, but well, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, just kept at it. And I w- would go to every meeting. I knew the issues inside and out. I learned it's like a free education. You see how the organizations run because they're always, you know, that's what they do. They come to the board, which is the council. They say, here's what we're doing. Here's what it's going to cost. And I would, you know, go to every board and planning commission kind of meeting I could go, like all the different things that the city had available. And I just kind of was always there. And I'm like, hey. So you kind of immersed yourself yeah. into the happenings in the city, the city life, the, the planning, the zoning, the, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, and it's just my nature. Like if somebody tells me I like, I don't belong or I can't do something and there definitely was a feeling like I'm all tattooed up and stuff. And like, as am I. Yeah. So like when I, <laughs> When I go to my day job, you know, I'll pretty myself up, but like, right. uh, like Put some long sleeves yeah, on. When I was running, I was just like, this is me, like, you know, whatever. And I think some people found it refreshing. Some people were like, that guy doesn't belong in that position. But, you know, the tattoo thing, real quick um, on that, that's getting a little less stigmatized, oh, totally. I feel like. Totally. Um, you know, when I got mine, first got mine, and, you know, for those obviously we're audio, so nobody can see, people that know me know I'm fully sleeved. I mean, I, I'm running out of real estate, honestly, <laughs> for tattoos. Um, but, you know, I, I would hide it when I'd go to, you know, different functions because I'm like, I don't know how people are going to perceive it. And when I started loosening up and just letting them kind of be there, mm-hmm. I realized nobody really cares. Yeah, totally. I mean, ultimately, nobody cares. You know, the people that do care, I think, are your it's your older generation that has still has that stigmatization. But the people now just are like, man, who cares? Yeah, I I taught part time at Red Rocks for a while, actually for for about six years. I just they didn't have a class for me, like uh, um, participation or enrollments way down because of COVID and everything. Um, so they didn't have a class for me. But you see all the younger generation, like you said, they're all sleeved up. And I always like kind of I always like act like I have a grudge about it because I was like, you know, when I did this, it wasn't like it was the you know, be against the system and stuff and try to be different. Like, you know, screw you. I don't care. <laughs> right. But now it's like, oh, look, all these tattoos these young people have and it's cool. So and now if you're not tattooed, you're weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's different. I remember when the first time I went home with a tattoo, my mom cried. She was not happy. It yeah. was not a happy day at my house. My mom actually signed for me because I was 17. Nice. Down at uh, Old World Tattoo. Oh, if you remember that, I do. That's on, where everybody from. Yeah, that's where everybody from our neighborhood. Yeah, I took my parents down. I'm like, listen, I don't really care. Like, I need you to sign for me. And then, so when I started getting mine, I actually took them to get their first tattoos. Nice, nice. <laughs> nah, my parents, I don't see them doing that. Yeah, uh, but um, you know, so. I mean, I guess, and here I am. Like, you know, now I've been elected. It's a re-election year for me. So, you know. Plenty going on. The world's changed so much. Like, I actually was telling one of our uh, city um, employees that works for the council. Um, I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of to the point where I'm done living through historic events during my term because, like, you know, between uh, pandemic, 
we've had a situation where we appointed three people at once because they all you know, either got elected a higher office or one of them's now the director of communications for Governor Polis to now there was a recall that happened for four people, two of them got, then our mayor resigned. It's just like uh, just a ton of stuff. And it's, uh, you know, <laughs> like I'd like a calm week. That yeah. sounds you need, you need some kind of relaxing time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a, uh, that's why I play softball, I guess. I don't know, but there you go. Go shoot guns. I'm not, I like to go shoot guns, but you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as far as the city councilman, what's your term limit? So, or not a limit, but are, is it a two-year term, one-year term? So, what it, is that? Every city's got their own rules, but the city of Westminster is uh, two four-year terms that you consecutive. You could go away for four years, and you could come back and run again. Okay, um, but you can't be in office for more than two consecutive terms as a council person. You so could, you can move up. Yeah, or you move could move some, up. You could move to like a mayor seat, right. or some cities I've seen where you could actually move back to council. Like there was a a mayor in Wheat Ridge that did that, where he was like the a council person, then he was the mayor for however many terms that he was allowed, and then he went back and ran for council again and was elected. So. That's Westminster's identical. Is your term limit as a councilman, is that a cumulative? So you you have a max of two four-year terms at most? No, I could if I I could go away and then come back and run again, but I have to be gone for a term. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But but two two consecutive terms is all you can do at once. Gotcha. And then so eight to, years total. Yeah. So like the mayor who just resigned, he actually has been a he was a council person. Other times, and then he termed out. Then he came back, was a council person. Then he ran for mayor, um, and then he was mayor for almost two terms. His term would have been up in uh, November. Okay, um, but he, you know, resigned on Monday. So, just this past Monday, just this past Monday. Wow, I I did not hear that. Yeah, so um, there was, you don't need to go into the details if you yeah. don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, it's it's all over the news. I mean, he said that his uh, stance was that. His doctor told him to, um, but there was also a recall that happened, and two of them had enough signatures to be recalled. So, um, Councilor Voles is actually still has to run in a recall election now to keep a seat, and so he basically gets put on there. And if like you wanted to go run against him, you could try to run against him, and the people get to decide whether or not he gets to retain his seat. Oh wow! Um, but like w- once they certify a recall um, petition, uh, the Subject of the recall has five days to say I resign or they end up on that recall ballot Um, on Monday night at the end of our meeting, like right before we went to an executive session, he said, you know, I notified the clerk today. My doctor told me that, you know, I shouldn't do this anymore, basically. And I resigned today. So after the meeting tonight, I'm not the mayor anymore. Oh, wow. And so the mayor pro tem, um, according to what's on our agenda, will be sworn in on Monday night as the mayor and she fills his term. She was running until November, until November. She was going to run for mayor. Anyway, she's announced. Is this Anita? Anita. Yeah. Yep. She's, she put in to run for mayor. And then uh, Nancy McNally, who's our former mayor is running. Then there's a guy named Austin Watts. That's pretty new to the city. That's running. Gotcha. Um, And so the thing that's interesting about it is Anita, if she would have lost in November, running for the mayor in her current council seat. She still had two years on her term. She has now taken his term and we have to appoint somebody to the remaining two years of her term is what we're told. And so she loses in November. She's off council because she basically stepped in. She his, forfeited her seat yeah, to she, run for mayor. 
or to to take over as mayor. Gotcha. Um, because you know she was the mayor pro tem. So, which uh, I I tried to get. When she was appointed this last time after the last election, it was actually like there were two people voting for her, two people voting for Catherine Scully, and three people voting for me. And that went on 17 rounds, and then that side switched. And one of them – or actually, I think then both the people who were voting for Catherine, they both voted for Anita instead of me, and which wasn't really surprising. But they – you know, that's what happened. So on Monday, we get to to do that again and and see – you know, who the new mayor pro tem is. That's interesting. Yeah. It's politics. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's interesting about politics. Um, I was listening to a podcast, dark to light. Do you listen to them? I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's, so basically uh, one of the hosts is running for, I'm going to butcher this. Um, I don't know exactly what her position is somewhere in South Carolina, but they, they, they had a guest on that particular show and they were talking about just a low level politics and how that can really shape the higher level of politics and the importance of getting into that. And, you know, before we started recording today, you know, I kind of told you about a conversation me and my wife had about, you know, me doing this podcast and that sort of thing. And, you know, I said, you know, I feel like, you know, there's a lot more people that need to just kind of get a voice out there to kind of stand up, you know, talk about whatever's on their heart and that sort of thing. And, you know, she asked me, she's like, well, why does it have to be you? And my response was, well, why not? Why not me? Why why should I leave that up to somebody else? Yeah. Right. And I feel like in, in the political arena, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I get I, I, I'll not I won't lie here. I mean, I've been very complacent and I could have cared less mm-hmm. up until this last year. You know what I mean? But I think when 2020 hit, it kind of peeled the veil back and at least it sparked my interest in saying, OK, well, how important is that? You know yeah. what I mean? And then we go through last year with the presidential election and everything like that. And I start telling people, listen, like that's important. Don't get me wrong. But what's more important, what affects you on a daily basis is your local politics, your city politics. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, so take the recall, for example, the reason that the recall happened and there's there's so many people who just are like, oh, it's just, you know, they somehow it's become this, oh, it's a partisan thing. And it's really not. The recall was actually run by three people who are more on the left. Um, I think one of them is actually registered Democrat and one of them used to be a registered Democrat and one of them is a left-leaning independent. But they agreed with me on water. So the, their beef was our water rates. And so somehow because I've that's been like uh, – I ran on the water, like my problems with the water rates when I ran last time. Um, and they, uh, you know, so that's always been a thing that I fought is the high water rates. In 2018, I was the only one who voted against the water rate increase for 19 and 20. And if you go back to those and you can actually go listen. So this is interesting. I've, I've went back recently and listened because they say, oh, that's just uh you know, they act like it's just a, a political grandstanding thing. And they also act like you, I don't care about infrastructure or or just in general. People who who don't want higher water rates is because they don't care. It's kind of like if you don't want higher taxes, yeah. you don't care. Yeah, exactly. But if you go listen to the <laughs> – I'll toot my horn a little bit – the thoughtful questions that I asked, I, I did want to pay. But the question was there's got to be a different way because this isn't going to be affordable for people. And I remember back then saying, hey, the, you're going to make people choose between medicines and water, uh, food and water. And I was told I was a troublemaker. I was told I was making stuff up. I remember actually a lady called me who was neighbors with one of the council people. And she's like, well, you know, this person says that you're just a troublemaker. 
I said, she can think what she wants. I said, but I think this is going to hurt people. And I ran against a much smaller increase than what they did while I was on council. I was like, this makes that look like nothing. I'm like, this is going to hurt people. And you're know, like, oh, it's going to be $10 average. Like, go. I've, I've seen some of people's bills where they take it from before and to now exact amount of gallons and it's more than you know the 10 13 percent because of the way the tiers are mm-hmm. the way it's compounded year well, the tiers year. are based on usage right and if it, it, well it might not surprise you um, I have a very large yard <laughs> my water bill is obscene yeah it's it's, it's, it's close to 500 a month in the summer I, I let my backyard die <laughs> part of that's because my dogs I, I can't it. I can't do that my dogs killed it anyway and I was like man whatever I'm like I don't want to pay to water it uh, my front yard's very small, so I live in a pretty modest home. It's it's nice. It's good enough for me and my family. But but over the last you know twelve months since the pandemic and we had a hot summer, we've heard all the things that I said, mm-hmm. and like you know it's a thing I wish I didn't have to be validated about because I don't like to see people hurting. But the reality is, is you really see that, and I don't know if it's an income level thing between the people that are on council and you know, my upbringing, but like, I know what $10 a month is to some people. It can be a lot. Yeah. My dad's, you know, on a fixed income. He's a retired Denver police officer. That's two lunches for a kid. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. And the, and I remember a former council person telling me that he had a conversation with that same one who said I was a troublemaker and she said her stating to him, well, it's just $10 a month. And he and I both were like that to some people is something that's $120 a year. $10 $10 to some people is much different. I make a good living and like, you know, yeah, I can probably afford it. But but even me, I've cut back um, because, you know, I, you know, I don't want to pay it. Um, and the reality, and this is the other thing that I've brought up is then you force people to conserve. And then we have less money. And then it's it's this just. It's just this constant battle. Yeah, because they still have to fix the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Just and, like the idea of raising taxes. Every time you raise taxes, people try to figure out ways not to pay them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a real um, question about the cadence of the growth that we've allowed in the development, because that also directly affects the, the cadence in what we replace capital infrastructure. And so, um, you know, I have real questions about that, but I feel like we've not had a real discussion. Um, and the last thing I'd say on on that subject is you look at what they're going to propose this next month. It's all of a sudden we went into our reserves and now the increase that pre-pandemic that they were proposing that was going to be six something percent is now four percent and four percent for water, four percent for sewer. Um, I think this year and next or just this next year. I don't, I'm, they're going to show it to us next next uh, this, this month, actually. I think they'll propose it to us. Um, and I can't remember right off the top of my head, but it's less than what they were asking for pre-pandemic. And I just have to think, oh, gosh, we found a different way. And I begged and pleaded and was told, no, you know, troublemaker, be quiet. There's no other way. Right. But guess what? They found a different way when they have the majority they of no councils. Yeah, they have the majority of councils about, you know, getting recalled over it, which I did not get involved in. People can blame me all they want, but I purposely stayed out of it. I didn't think it was professional. I didn't think it was appropriate. That's between the people and us elected. 
if somebody has a grievance with me, that's between me and that citizen because that's who I work for. Right. Um, that's so refreshing to hear. It's, it's because a lot of elected officials don't really. They might say that, but they. I don't. I don't feel they're genuine in that thinking. There's become this divide. Maybe not locally, but some. It's but there's a divide where they think that there needs to be this creative class call it, and they think that oh we need to tell the people how they should live and we need to tell them how to use their water. That is not this country. This country is anybody in this country who's a citizen saying, hey, I'm going to go represent the voices of my fellow citizens, right? farmers and truck drivers or whoever the hell wants to go do it. Anybody has a right to do it. Um, I mean, and that it's always funny, though, because I always say, like, the people who really don't like me kind of created me because they always try to push me back. And I'm the type of person that's <laughs> like, if you tell me I don't have a right to do something, I'm going to be like, the hell I don't. Like, right. So, like, if they tell you, hey, you can't do it, you're yeah, like, okay, no, I, wa- I, watch me do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it, you know, it's it's just my nature. I can't, you know, it's just who I am. So. Right. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. And I that that idea of that that class that the, we really do have a class warfare in this this country well and i think last year and i i, I don't mean to keep interrupting you but no you're fine i think last year again you know kind of peeled back some of the layers of, of some of the things we're talking about but i also think that what happened with the pandemic people staying at home people locked in their homes you know this class warfare the the gap has widened you know the the the, the companies that are rich the uber rich companies that were able to stay open, the quote unquote essential, you know, and then we can go on, okay, well, who decides what's essential, right? But the Amazons, the Costcos, the Walmarts, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They thrived. The local small business owner that owns a, 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 a dog food comp, a dog food store or a pet store or, you know, the, the local gym owner that got shut down, those people are, are, are starving. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, they're trying to dig out now. So this this gap of the the wealthy to the middle class has widened. And what's widened even further is the middle class to the poor. Mm-hmm. That's got that, that's been exacerbated. And you, I look at it as a lot of the policies in place. No, oh, I I think so. I mean, I think you bring up really good points is and one of the other Parts of that that I think is super scary is the amount of power that they obviously have, like big tech. Because we allow them to yeah, have we, it. Exactly. But the idea that it's okay to shut up somebody that was the president of the United States or anybody who's an American because you don't agree with them because you have the power to is wrong. And anybody who doesn't see that, uh, it worries me because mm-hmm. – you don't have to like him. You don't have to like what he says, but freedom of speech allows people to say ugly things. And I'm not saying necessarily what any of these individuals say is ugly. That's, you know, everybody's going to have their own perception of it. And I'm not really concerned about that as much as the control, because if it could happen to him, it can happen to anybody. You, and they, and they, they have been shutting people up and it's not okay. Right. Well, the, the, the thing is, you know, there's, let, I'd probably say there's 40% of the country maybe less, that is happy that, that big tech did that, okay? But what those people need to realize that are happy about that, it can happen to them at any moment, right? The The old saying is, you know, people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. That's no more prevalent, okay? 
you may not like what somebody says, but you have to defend their right to say it. Yeah. And I use this analogy in a prior episode, and this analogy is, you know, look at big tech like this, okay? Because everybody says, well, they're a private company. They can do what they want, okay? And I would agree with that to a point. Let's pretend it's 1900, and somebody wants to go protest downtown, downtown Denver. And some wealthy individual goes and buys up the main blocks in downtown Denver. Now it's private property. And they post a sign that says, this is what you are allowed to talk about, right? Now, we might think we're in a public setting, but if that land is owned by a private individual, now that private individual can shut you up and say, you can't, you can't say that. I can tell you what to say. That's exactly what big tech is doing, yep. just in a worldwide scale. Yep. And so I heard an interview that they came up with. I don't remember who it was. I, I think it might have been um, the CEO of Google. Um, it's Alphabet, but you get the point. And he said, you have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of reach. And that should frighten everybody because they're basically saying, yeah, you can say what you want, but we have the right just to shut you up. Yeah, and yeah. that's the most un-American thing that we have seen. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing, you know, because I do um, agree, like, a private entity is a private entity. But where people don't realize, they have government protection. They've almost become a utility. Yeah, they, they, they have made a, pub, a virtual square. But, right? It's a virtual public square that they have opened for people to talk to. They're not charging for it. Anybody could go on there. But now all of a sudden they can just shut up the people they don't like. Not only are they not charging for it, but they're selling your data. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> mining stuff off of you. I mean, right. that's what they've got rich off of. And so now all of a sudden we're going to control the spend of certain politicians that we don't like. Like you need to play that, that mentality through because if one – group that you do like can do it a group you don't like can do it right and it's a bad precedent you can't you know you can't um if, if if it's good for one it's good for all that's you know that's right you're giving up somebody's rights and and you can hate donald trump all you want and i understand why some people don't like him he's you know he can be a real a-hole i, I get it but that's not the freedom of speech isn't for just people who aren't a-holes. Well, it, it, it comes out of this, right? Sure, he's an asshole. But he has the right to be. Yeah. Right? Totally. Like anybody has the right to have their own personality, their own persona. You know, if he was on Twitter and Facebook being completely vulgar and, you know, saying things that just was obscene, that's very different. Yeah. But to to shut him up because you didn't like his message, you know, now now you're walking down a path that we've seen in the past that is not good. Yeah. To where, you know, we have these big entities like we're talking about. They're not elected. They're not they don't represent us. They don't represent the people. They represent themselves. But yet they have the ability to just turn it off. Whatever yeah. they want to turn off. Yeah, and they're and they're the same people who support the opposition. That should be scary to people too. That's right. Like you, you can't. And they're they got rich in the. I mean, they yeah, were like, they were always how much money they made through the pandemic. Look at Amazon. Yeah, and and meanwhile, and like, I, I, 
I understand why we needed to be careful, you know, especially in the beginning. We didn't know what this was. Nobody knew what yeah. what anything was. And some people, you know, I know some people who lost their life. I know some people who got really sick. The majority of people, though, have been able to fare this. My big problem has been the science that we are told if we say anything in contrary to what's been told to us, you're a science denier. Like, no, like when science all of a sudden defies common sense, I have a, a problem. And so, like, you brought up, like, Walmart. So why is it that I could crowd into – I remember I actually posted this. And I'm surprised I didn't get more shit for it. You mean in, you didn't get put in Facebook yeah, jail for it? I was in Costco and hundreds of people. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there and I actually was kind of laughing at the irony of it. Like, mm -hmm. look at this. Like, I can't go to church. I can't go practice one of the fundamental rights that our Constitution protects because it's dangerous. But, but you I can go, go to the church at Costco. Yeah. <laughs> that's that that does fund the tax base that, you know, pays for a lot of the city services we have. But it makes no sense. So you, you're not going to convince me that science says that Costco is safe because we put plexiglass and masks on you. Well, and I think what people need to realize about science, okay, and this is something that got lost. I don't know when it got lost, right? Science once said the earth was flat. Yeah. Okay. Science once said the sun revolved around the earth. And I'm not, I mean, this is fact. I mean, just read a history book, Okay. Clearly, science changes and evolves. And so what's annoying to me, uh, annoying is a too weak of a word. What pisses me off, okay, is the fact that you have, and we, we've ragged on him quite a bit here, but Fauci, that is so steadfast in his, his beliefs on, on what we should do and, and what we need to do that he's not willing to relinquish the fact that, hey, now we have more information and we should take that information we have and maybe adjust course a little bit. Yeah. That's what irritates me. And that's where a lot of people are just getting fed up with it. Yeah. And so when you, when you hear this, well, they're, they're anti-vax, they're anti-science. No, they're, people are tired of, of listening to the propaganda that's coming out because people realize, the people with common sense realize, the more information that comes out about COVID, the more they learn about COVID, things should change. The approach should change, right? But it doesn't. And that's why people get into conspiracies and get into this denier mentality because you're like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. right? Clearly, a virus that's airborne is not going to be stopped because you're sitting down at a table at a four foot, five inch, four foot, six inch level. But if you stand up and you're six feet tall, now you're going to get COVID, right? Yeah. Like it's stuff like that that just makes no sense. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think the other thing that like th through this whole thing, they give us like stats every Monday to tell us where we're at. And I've always kind of pushed back a bit as far as like, I want to know hospital beds. I want to know deaths. That's what I want to know because people getting sick, like I get it, like we should be watching it. But if if the vast majority of them, the overwhelming majority of them are able to ferret, like that's less fearful. I'm not saying don't take it serious, but maybe stop trying to make people shit their pants every day. You know, it's – Well, they have to sell toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing. Um, but they – you know, you know what I mean? Like, so now we're at the point where we are. And one of the questions I've been asking or I asked a couple of weeks ago is like, and I knew the answer. And sometimes you have to do that in politics, like, <laughs> because it's like, okay, everybody think about what we're talking about here. Right. But 
they it's the hospital stay is less because we have learned how to manage COVID. So well, and the, the doctors have learned how to treat it. Yeah, they, there are treatments for it. So like if you and it seems like we don't talk about that. The mainstream media doesn't talk about that. They only want the vaccine, vaccine, got to get the vaccine. And like if you don't want to get the vaccine, you're a bad person. You're the weirdo. Yeah. That just wants to kill grandma. Like, but but nobody's talking about like, hey, here's all the things that we can treat it with. Or like, you know, the former president comes out and says this. Oh, my gosh, he's crazy. He's going to kill people. And come to find out that actually was a in some doctors' opinions, was a good treatment. Yeah, but those doctors that had that good opinion of it, they're gone. Yeah, they all got their, they all got, they all got censored. Canceled, they all got canceled. They all got taken off. Like, but think about that for a minute. So, say, and I've had friends in this situation, I've lost friends to cancer. And so, it, when somebody comes in and you see it on the movies all the time, right? Somebody comes in and says, hey, you got terminal cancer, you got three months to live. Do most people just take that at face value or do they go talk to other doctors and try to find alternative treatments? They go get a second opinion. Yeah, and if that second opinion. And, and if that second opinion concurs, maybe they look at alternative sources of medicine. They go to Eastern medicine. Yeah. They go to, you know, whatever. It's not – we call it practicing medicine for a reason Yeah. because it's not definitive. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just – I just don't understand where society has gotten to this place where it's like, we need to believe everything that the, the magical TV says and every politician that we trust that thinks like us, we got to listen to them because politicians never lie, you know, as long as they're on my side, like, give me a break. Right. Like they're human beings. Human beings are fallible and, you know, and, and do stupid stuff. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's just Sometimes I worry for our children's future. Yes. Like, good, good well, Lord Almighty. And I'll be honest with you. That's one reason that me and Dustin started this podcast. You know, I've got a 19-month-old, and I'm looking at this going, man, the the, the if, if this continues down that same road, the world he grows up into, I, I won't recognize it. Yeah. Right? And it's not that I don't want to see progress and, you know, things evolve and because that's, that's you know, of course, that's what needs to happen. But it needs to happen in a responsible manner and not just bowing down to the almighty government because that's not what that's not what our country is based on. Yeah. Our country is, is, is a government of the people, for the people, by the people. I might have totally screwed that up, but you get my point. Yeah. Right. Our job isn't to acquiesce and bow down to them because they feel like they're some almighty. They're there to protect our rights, to make sure that our God-given rights are protected. That's their job. That's right. That's that's their job is not to send you a stimulus check. No, no, totally (laughs) not. And, you know, I I just it's interesting because like my uh, older son, you know, so I got kind of a split. Two of my kids are, you know, they don't like Donald Trump. Two of them love him. And that's fine. Like I, I encourage like, okay, well, tell me why. Like, why don't you like him? Why do you like Biden? You know, have a conversation with me. I don't care if you don't like Donald Trump. Great. Like, I don't even care if you, you know, if you don't want to vote for your old man someday. Fine. What what does the opponent have that's better, you know, better than me? Like, it should be a war of ideas. And I want I want to know. That doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily change my view sometimes. Right. Um, but like my kids have friends who will unfriend them, tell them they're a racist, tell them they're a homophobe because they don't like Donald Trump and my kids aren't like my kids are like, well, you know, um, no, <laughs> they're like, but but they also don't give because they're stubborn like me. And they're like, I'm not going to just, you know, say what you want to say because you're going to call me names. And like it's always this one particular friend of my son. It's like every 
couple weeks he's mad at him because my son sticks up for himself and then they're not friends for a week and then that kid comes back around and it's just like this this cycle and i'm like hey you know that you obviously have something you have in common because you seem to always end up making up but like but you shouldn't have to not be you just because somebody doesn't like it it's like the new era of bullying almost right it totally is. And I say that because of you. It, it's almost the, the way society is now that if you don't agree with me, I'm going to call you names. I'm going to call you the worst possible names in the book. I'm going to label you one of the worst things I can label you, right? Because you just don't agree with me. And we did not grow up that way. No. That I can remember. No. I was actually talking with a, a, another um, candidate about this earlier. And, you know, the idea that somehow, you know, people have called me those names because I, I didn't lie that I supported Donald Trump. Like, oh, gosh, and I'm sorry I was transparent. Like, I, I knew. That's what you should want from your elected officials. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's who I am. That's fine. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't care. But, like, I don't remember going to school and, like, trying to separate people by the things that they, they want us to separate. We didn't go and be like, Hey, there's, you know, the straight kids, gay kids, there's, you know, the people of color versus not people of color. Right. So, so what our listeners don't know is you and I went to the same high school. Yes. We went to the same middle school. Yep. Okay. I think we separated like kids back there from like the cool kids versus the dorks. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's kind of what it was. I used to get picked on for being a, a, a vocal Christian by a couple of kids, but it's just those those kids that messed with everybody. Well, right. They were equal but, opportunity. Yeah. Mess people but, who would mess with people. But like when I when I was in, in middle school and high school, like I hung out with everybody. I, I didn't care about their political affiliation back then. Nobody gave a shit. Right. I didn't care about what their skin color was because nobody cared. Yeah. And now it's almost like the schools are wanting to make that the top priority as to how kids interact now. And I think that's very dangerous. Oh, I do too. Like I, I, I remember in our generation, you weren't supposed to label people. No, it was you, man, honestly, I would judge you based on your proper use of a comma or apostrophe. Like how well do you know how to, how to write with grammar? Okay. I mean, I would have got a low score. I still would. (laughs) Like, do you know the difference between there, there, and there? Like, that, like, you know, that's kind of how I I was, right? And, okay, before we go to, I graduated with like a 2.3 GPA. Okay. (laughs) Like, let's, let's face facts, right? (laughs) But that, that's kind of how it was. There wasn't this focus on identity, there wasn't this focus on the minutiae. That seems to be what it is today. Well, and I think this, and this is something else I was talking about earlier in a conversation I had before I came up here. I feel like politicians and people in power want to separate us because that's how they get elected. That's how that's that's exactly right. Like if if I make you think that Councilor Demott's an asshole because he voted for Trump, or because you know he he is this that or the other, or he's a police supporter, I'm going to get more votes. Like. Councilor DeMott, me, I'd rather say, here's what I'm going to do as a council person. Here's what you can expect from me in the decisions I'm going to make and policies. And I'm always going to listen. And maybe I'm, you know, I'm always going to at least take into account what you told me. Maybe you're going to sway me. Maybe you're not. But at least you're going to know where I stand and I'm going to listen to you and you're going to know what you get from me. Right. Like that's 
that's what you should be looking at. And that's what you should be looking at with the other people. What are they going to do with their job? Like, right. and, and it was the same with, with Donald Trump for me. Like people want to get, like bring up the horrible things that, that he said or whatever, but how many people have, um, have nothing in their life that they've ever said that they're ashamed of? Well, not only that though. Right. So it, the, the I, I get what you're saying, but I think it goes a little deeper than that in that we're in this soundbite environment, right? Technology. I mean, hell, man, if you cut up any one of our episodes into like, you know, 10-second snips, we probably come off as the biggest assholes in the world because yeah. there's no context to it. Yeah. But when you put context to whatever it is, you're like, oh, well, what he said really wasn't that bad, Yeah. right? Maybe his delivery was a little off. Which with Trump it was. I mean, he just had no tact. No, but, he can be a real jerk. I but, mean. <laughs> but but what he said, when you take out the the brashness of it, a lot of it made sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and I mean, people like I, I don't want a perfect politician. I want an honest one. So if at least they're willing to be honest that at some point in their life they screwed up, like okay, yeah, me too. I mean, we all got shit. Like we that's all just do. that's just the reality. And like, that's why I will never run for public office. Well, for me, it's like, you know what? Like, if you bring it up, like, yeah, I did it. Like that I remember somebody asked me, Do you have skeletons in your closet? I'm like, Everybody does. I'm like, um, I claimed bankruptcy once because I was in a bad part of my life and you know, there was some things that happened and it was like we couldn't bear it anymore. And it was like, you know, we could lose everything or we could use this law that's available to anybody in the country. And we did that. And right. you know, I've seen people get beat up. Actually, some people tried to beat my wife up over that. But, like, we're not ashamed of that. Like, it was sh it was shameful when we went through it. It was a hard time. But then, like, we realized it was funny how many people came up and being like, yeah, I, I claim bankruptcy once, too. And it was like this. I was like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed. Like, it happens. Again, man, people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Yeah. yeah. Because or, those people that want to shame you, they might be in that position at some point. Yeah. And and the other thing was, I yeah, I used to smoke a lot of pot when I was a teenager. I'm like, so, and it wasn't all cool then <laughs> so, right. but now it's like colorado like you can't go down the street without being like somebody's smoking pot somewhere around here right but it's like that dazed and confused scene when someone's smoking some reefer yeah yeah <laughs> like and that's a fun game skunk or pot like that used to be a lot more of a easy decision <laughs> yeah now it's but, like do we have skunks in colorado i don't know <laughs> I, was, I got in this conversation with my dad he was asking me if if it's illegal to smoke in public I was like, well, what do you mean public? He's like, well, in somebody's yard. I'm like, Dad, that's not public. That's private somebody's property. yard. It's private property. He's like, no, it's not. I'm like, come on, you're a cop. I'm like, you know that's somebody's. He's like, yeah, well, it's still annoying. I'm like, yeah, maybe so, but it's still somebody's yard. It's no different than somebody playing loud music in their house, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah like, same thing. Like, I don't, I don't think you're going to have much of a case there, Dad. Sorry. So let me ask you this. Um, do you ever uh, anticipate or do you have any desire of moving up in the political ranks? Maybe to like a state representative or or even beyond that. Um, you know, I think, not that you're not going to declare anything. No, but. I I think yeah, I've I've been asked that question a lot of times because I think you've seen that a lot of people feel, and I won't give my opinion, but a lot of people feel that people have used Westminster City Council as a stepping stone. Um, what my promise has always been is I'm going to do finish the job I signed up to do, and so I'm going to put my all in it and not put my my eyes on something ahead of me. Um, 
as far as like my decisions and I'm not going to base my decisions on, is this going to be good for me down the road? That's the wrong way to do it. And too many mm-hmm. people do that. Well, because uh, what it does is it compromises your decisions today, looking forward ahead to whatever you desire to do in the future. Yeah, I, I want to be able to put my head down at, at night with the decisions I made and know I did it because it was the right thing that in that moment. Right. Um, but I would never discount it. But I think for me, I have to know, that I could do a good job for the people that I'm representing because I truly, you know, every fiber of me believes in representative government. I believe, you know, our constitution is, is what it is. It's, it's not this living document that some people want to say, Oh, well, you know, the second amendment, like, no, it said what it says. Like the thing that drives me the most crazy, like I'm, I am a big gun guy. A big like, two-a guy. When, when you, when you say, Oh, you know, they didn't think about hunting with that. Like, no, they didn't. They thought about taking out the the English, the biggest army on the planet. You think they wanted to do that? They weren't hunting deer. When people tell me that, you know, the founding fathers never envisioned an AR-15, and that's not what it was designed for, I said, here's the deal. Back when that, back when the Constitution was written and the Second Amendment was adopted, there was muskets. The government had cannons. Okay, And back then, a citizen could actually have a cannon in his front yard, right? The idea behind the Second Amendment is not, you know, people think, oh, it's it's there to protect your, your home and your family. Eh, not really. It's to protect you from an overreaching government. That's what the Second Amendment is for, right? So when you sit there and say, and I'm going to go on a tangent here, but when you sit there and say, well, we shouldn't have assault rifles, give me a definition of an assault rifle. There is not one. No, because I mean they eat all can they all can cause destruction. They period. all can. And and ultimately what it comes down to when we get into that topic and we did a prior episode on that, is does the gun look scary? Yeah. Right? Do, does it look scary? Does it look like a military grade weapon? Right? But even if it does, it's protected by the Second Amendment. It is our right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, no, hundred hundred percent. I mean, the other thing that I would touch on, as far as my view of it, is it's it's also, um, I mean, it's basically to protect your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And so, if a tyrannical government is the one infringing on that, that's what it's there to protect you from. Right. If it's somebody breaking into my house, it's there to protect me from that too. The so, Second Amendment is there in case the government decides to take away the First Amendment. Yeah. Well, and what's what's really scary in this last year to me is this idea that. The same people who want to take my guns now want to take my police that were the people who told me before I don't need my guns because I could just call the police. <laughs> and, and I'm like, that's, a, that, that's an interesting way to put it. I'm like, well, so then where does that leave me when the person breaks in my house? So I just. You could like, be like New Jersey. And you know what you're required to do in New Jersey if you're a homeowner and somebody breaks in your house? You're required to flee. That I. And that's that's where the line is. And like, I think that's where you're pushing a lot of people to a a weird breaking point where it's like we have a right to be like everybody has a right to be right. Like, and again, I had this great conversation before I came up here with somebody who has totally different political views. But one thing, you know, that I was sharing with him is like I have a fundamental belief that I have to protect your rights to think differently than me. And so that's. You know, that is super important to me. Like there are things like I'm a person of faith. You know, I very much believe in biblical truth. I take the gospel as fact. I know some people think that's crazy, but that's what I believe. But if you believe something that that book says is wrong, 
I still will fight for your right to think that, even right. if it's against my own moral compass, as long as it doesn't take somebody else's life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness, because that's what you don't have a right to do. And so it's like, you know, I, you know, I totally would lay down my life in order to make sure you keep that. And I think anybody in this country should realize how important our constitution is to protect those rights. And like, there's been plenty of people who have laid down their life for it, but that's just like a, you know, I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you have the term, you know, there's a hill everybody will die on. That's certainly one for me. You know, my family is, my rights are, um, you know, and I really think if it ever came to that in this country, you know, we'd be in a dark, dark place. Right. Um, but I am concerned about how much we've pushed against that. I mean, we've really bumped against that in the last 15 months. Well, and I think one of the issues um, that me, I personally have with a lot of the elected officials, I don't like to call um, people in politics elected, elected leaders. Just oh, I don't because, either. They're representatives. Yeah, because I, I feel like very few of them have leadership skills that I would aspire to. Um, but I, I feel like there's this idea and, and mainly it comes from your federal government, right? Your, your state representatives, uh, senators, you know, and on up that they have this narcissistic way of thinking that I know better than you and you're too dumb to know it. Yep. And because I know better, you just need to do what I say. Yep. And that's where I get really disgusted, right? Because at that point, you no longer are representing the people. You're representing yourself in your own interests. Yep. And when you represent yourself in your own interests, now all you're doing is you're trying to get reelected. You're doing whatever you can. You're saying the, the most popular soundbite at the moment to propel yourself to another reelection, right? And that's where, you know, uh, prior episode, we, I went on a rant about term limits, I'm a huge proponent of term limits. I don't think it'll ever happen. You know what I mean? But I feel like if, if that came into play, you could curb a lot of that narcissism. You're still going to have it, but I feel like you would curb a lot of it and you'd get more people like you that think, okay, I work for this group of people. I work for these constituents, right? And I'm going to do what they want me to do, yeah. not what I necessarily, you know, I might tell them what I think is a good idea in a town hall or something like that, but ultimately I represent them. Yeah. Not myself. Yeah. Well, and I, I think um, this is something I've talked a lot about because the term I'm the same way that when people say, well, well, they elected us to be leaders like, no, they elected. And so specifically city council. So in one term, yeah, we are leaders. We're leaders of an organization, but we were put as leaders as the organization by the citizens of the city in order to represent the voice of the people and the will of the people while running their city. So for the organization, yet yeah, we're the ones leading the charge, making the policy, but it should reflect those that we represent. And so that's the the if you don't put that full spectrum together of what that looks like, you're totally off. If I just say, oh, you elected me to be your leader. Like, no, screw you. I don't need somebody to tell me how to live my life. I can live my life on my own. Thank you very much. Right. We can choose our own leaders. But we do need somebody to run those parts of our government that we decide we want. And it's you know, it's that whole idea, the, the consent of the governed. We want roads. We want police and fire departments Sewers. and we want water and we want right. our shit to go somewhere when it goes out, out the house. So, right. 
So it's it's a I mean, that's an interesting thing you bring up because that's what, kind of one of my pet peeves. I, I really don't like that either. And I know a lot of people who don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll hear all the, you know, all the time talking about, oh, you know, leadership and this and that and the other. I always like to joke um, down at the state house. They're always like, oh, thank you for our, thank you for your leadership. Like this, like this ass kissing session that happens down there all the time. It's <laughs> just like you're, you're just a bunch of people that. A bunch of other people decided we want you to go make sure that, you know, our interests are being taken care of by our government. Right. Um, So locally, you know, city council and other cities has voted on this before and and, uh, we're running a little over, but I I do want to get into this. Sure, sure. Um, Have you guys in in your city voted as in any way or have had discussions in any way about defunding the police? Uh, I certainly have seen some people teeter on that that talking point as far as like um a couple members and won't name names no. went went some went to some meetings and definitely gotten some hot water um i don't think that you'd ever see this i, I think the person you see in westminster try to do anything like that they're not going to be on council anymore because i can tell you in the city of westminster we like our police yeah um our our citizen survey always comes up really highly scored the most important thing is public safety and that's our police and our fire people want them there yeah um and i know that you know right now they're beat up um and it's not just westminster it's across the board it's across the board i know people all over the metro area and law enforcement and it's a rough time and uh you know uh, thank god some of them are still showing up but we're losing people in droves because they we're not allowing them to do their job anymore um there's all these bad policies going through at the state house like you know not anybody from a class four felony down, you know, not being jailed. Uh, hopefully that doesn't pass through the state house, but it's being looked at. But for the last 14 months, those rules have been in place. Because of COVID, we haven't been arresting people. You've had people stealing cars, get arrested, being turned loose because the jail won't take them. They don't even get arrested. Car. We had a gentleman on here. We had a, a sheriff's deputy on, on our uh, podcast probably about a month and a half ago. And basically in a grand theft auto case, he writes a, a summons to go to court and lets them go. They tow the vehicle and they let them go. Yeah. They, uh, it's, it's, it's out of control. And I mean, I can't blame people, but it's, it's not just now that we need to be looking at it's who's going to come do that job. Cause we need people to do that job. You, you always have to have new blood coming in to replace the people that retire, that burn out, that sort of thing. And, and I, I think that the pendulum of power swings, right? And in Colorado, we've really latched on to some of this bad idea. And we look at some of the bad things that happen across the country. And all of a sudden, we make it something here. And that didn't happen here. So, like, they sh- is there improvement you could make in policing? Sure. There's improvement in every in, aspect. In everything. But of- you should have had good cops sitting at the table making some of these rules with you. Ones that said, I know the problems. I'm there. Like, I know what allows cops that aren't good to stay in policing. There's, there were some good things that came out of last year, um, but there was a lot of bad things. But the thing is, is the pendulum of power will swing. And the question I always ask people is how many people have to get hurt first? Because eventually the people are going to be like, this is out of control. You need to make better laws. Well, and the sad thing is the the people that are screaming defund the police are not the people living in those communities. Yeah. And, this, you know, it, it's it's the grand standards. It's the, the, the people that want to get propelled into a higher public office that are, are screaming the popular statement at the moment, right? But what they need to realize is you defund the police, you greatly negatively impact the communities in which you pretend to help. 
mm-hmm. the elderly, women, children, right? Those are going to be the victims in those communities when you defund the police. Yep. I'm a I'm a huge proponent of you need to fund the police more and 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 get better recruits, right? Do better with training. Do more stuff so you 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 increase that level of professionalism. And and safety because um I've I've used this example before and I'm a, a big proponent of this. If you could have if you could fund your police department so you had two cops in every car, you would have a safer community for a lot of reasons. One, if you have two officers having to deal with one person, there's less likelihood, in my opinion, uh, and I'm sure there's stats on this, but there's less likelihood they're going to have to, you know, go, go to, to deadly force because there's two of them to deal with the situation. Well, be, on, and on that on that topic, you know, they're both no two people see the situation identically the same. So if there's two people on a call, right, if if one of the individuals is escalating the situation unnecessarily, but, you know, maybe he, got in a, he or she got in a fight with their spouse before they got onto, onto the job and it's just, you know, things are compounding, the other individual, the partner, might look at that and say, why don't you take a step back for a moment and let me take this? You know what I mean? Because yep. it's a different perspective. Yep. Yep. And, and I mean, and that's a good point you bring up because that's a stressful job anyway. And it's not a job I would want. They, uh, you know, they're human beings, just like you or me. Like we've all had that day. We went, went to work and took something out on somebody who didn't deserve it. Like everybody's, everybody's had that bad day or been on the other side of it, you know? So I, I, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold them to a higher standard because they do have a job where, they are being held to a higher standard and they should be because of the responsibility they have to be able to take somebody's freedom, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to use force with somebody. That's something that we're entrusting with them. And if they're abusing that hundred percent, get rid of them. They shouldn't be in the uniform and they don't do anything, but make everybody who wears the uniform in danger and the community. Right. So you'll never hear me stick up for a bad cop who was actually, you know, Proven to do wrongdoing, get him out. But at the same time, you can't assume that every time a cop gets into an altercation, it's the cop's fault. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and and this, that's where we've gotten to in our society lately is anytime there's a shooting, oh, it must have been a bad cop. Well, no, like what happened? You know what I mean? Like let's dissect the situation and see really what happened. It's a it's a, it's a lack of personal accountability that we've seen in 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 our society that's worrying because in. I'm not going to make ex- ever make excuses for a cop doing something that they shouldn't have done. But there's also a lot of these situations that, you know, we hear about, like, well, how did the situation start? Like, you know, oh, they're resisting arrest and they had a warrant for, you know, robbery or, or whatever. Like, you know, we also have to take our own personal accountability. It's like, you know, you teach your kids like, yeah, you know, um, Nobody has a right to hurt you or, you know, take your belongings or rob you or assault you. But you also have a responsibility not to put yourself in certain situations. And, like, you, you've, you've got to take some of that. Does it make it right if somebody does it? No, but could you have avoided it? Like, th- that's still, like, you can't go through life just being like, well, nobody should do anything to me. So, well, we talk a lot on this show about uh, kind of the victimhood mentality. Mm-hmm. And we did not grow up that way. You and I were not in the in the era of participation awards. We just weren't. 
And I feel like, you know, it, for the for the kids now and the young adults growing up in that society, it's it's an entitlement thing. And if they don't get their way, they're a victim, right? Now it's like this race to see who could become the biggest victim. Well, if you go through your life thinking that you're a victim, what that means is you go through your life thinking everybody's out to get you. And somebody's out to, you know, somebody said something mean to you, somebody hurt your feelings, you know, and then you take that into a situation with a cop. The first thing you're going to think when you get pulled over or you come into an altercation with a cop is, oh, he's going to, you know, he, he's going to victimize me in some way, right? Rather than going approaching that situation going, hi, officer, what can I do for you? Yep. Right. If you just have a certain level of respect, you don't need to kiss their ass. But if you have a certain level of respect, that respect is given back. Yeah. And and that's what we've lost somewhere along the way. Yeah. No. And I mean, again, I'm super pro cop. Part of it's probably, you know, police family. You grew up with a, yeah. But like I get pulled over. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, what can I do for you? Like, I, I, I realize the situation I'm in, and I'm not going to do anything that makes him feel uncomfortable because that makes me more comfortable. You know, I keep my hands where because I know what they have to deal with. They don't know if I'm some sort of person who hates cops that's going to pull a gun. Go watch some videos on YouTube of how often that happens. It happens all the time where they just think it's a traffic stop. Next next thing you know, they're getting shot at or shot. And so right. it's um, – but I certainly have got screamed at by a cop before for that I really didn't deserve it. Like I remember one time I had bought this uh, Chevy Blazer I had when I was about 19. It had really dark windows. And back then they used to stick it on the window. I didn't stick it there. The dealership stuck it there. I'm 18 years old. I'm like, I don't know any different. It's probably the first car <laughs> that, you know, that my parents didn't buy for me. Right. And uh, I remember I got pulled over down in Denver, which my dad was still a Denver cop. And I would never like be like, my dad's a cop because you don't want to play that, that. No, I game. never would. My my dad's opinion was, if you get arrested, don't call me. He's like, because I <laughs> don't want that bear. You deal yeah, with it. Like, yeah. it's, you, you have fun. I, luckily, I never had to call him on that because I was like, I was scared to death to get arrested because I'm like, nobody's going to come get me if I get arrested. <laughs> right. But I remember this cop just ripped into me and he was like, you shouldn't have that back there. I can't even see it. And like, just it's like, sorry, sir. Like, and I left thinking like, okay, like. Maybe he was having a bad day. I don't know. Yeah. But like, or um, I got in a fight with his wife. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> saying they're all perfect and they're certainly not all nice. Like, you know, there's jerks in every profession. So, right. Um, well, here's the deal though, right? So we don't, <laughs> we don't go out and scream. We need to defund doctors because malpractice happens all the time. Extremely common, right? <laughs> Doctors make mistakes, but you don't hear anybody screaming about defunding hospitals or anything like that. You know what I mean? And you know why? There's not a video camera in the operating room. Yeah. yeah. Right? We're not armchair quarterbacking everything a doctor does when they're doing the rounds, when they're in the operating room. That that doesn't happen. Right? So, you know, the thing with the whole police situation is everybody should just take a quick step back. And if you see something egregious, okay, now you hold that one police officer accountable. Right. You don't throw you, you don't throw the entire police community into one bucket and say, well, they're all bad. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's not fair to blanket statement. Anybody again, like you get this, this, I, this, the labeling that happens in the division that happens. <clears throat> it's not good for our communities. It's, it's not, not good, good for the communities. And again, it's perpetuated by those politicians that want to stay in office. And it's it's further perpetuated by the media that is in their back pocket. 
And I would go even further than that. You talked about like all the, um, excuse me, the, the companies that, you know, have all this power. How many companies are getting rich off of, you know, different woke things, call it like, you know, like every one of them, like I've, I've been in a company that has a marketing department. Most of the companies I have worked for. Right. And, you know, and it's, and it's sick because like, I think there's people who legitimately care about those social issues and, you know, they're being turned into campaigns to make more money for, you know, whoever, um, well, I won't name any brands to keep you out of trouble, but you, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's, there's how many brands and they all jump on it. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, what they don't realize with the whole wokeness thing is how hypocritical they are. You know, you, you, I laugh, you look at major league baseball. Okay. And major league baseball takes the all-star game out of Atlanta because of Atlanta's cruel new voter laws, right? Atlanta is a population that's 51 or 53% African-American. African-American businesses, African-American African-American owned businesses, African-American workers, you know, all that sort of stuff. And in an attempt to protest racism in, in their mind, they move the All-Star game to Denver, Colorado, that's 70% white. Now, does anybody other than me see the irony in that? Well, how I many heard our voter laws are actually stricter, I heard. <laughs> I was going to get to that. So with that, Colorado voter laws are some of the most restrictive in the country. Okay? So Major League Baseball didn't do anything with this, well, we're going to take it out of out of Atlanta. All they did was they took all the tax revenue and they took all the jobs and the wages away from the population, the very population they claim to be protesting for. Does nobody see the irony in that, in the hypocrisy in that? I, I certainly do. I, I heard all those that same thing, and I was like, okay, well, good job, I guess. Yeah, like, and, you know what? And we live in Colorado. Hey, good for, good for Denver for getting the all-star game and the businesses and all that sort of stuff. But— you really just did Atlanta dirty, yeah, by doing that, and shame on you for doing that. Yeah, well, and you know, not to go down that path, but like the thing I don't get is like, even if you you know the elections on the is is what it is, whatever. But why to, to the earlier thing when you said we can improve anything? Why wouldn't we want good voter? You know what I mean? Like we want fair elections. Like who who doesn't want a fair election? Like I know I certainly do. I want to know that it's fair. Everybody in this country, right, left, north, south, up, down, whatever, should strive to have the fairest elections possible. Yeah. Right? Because that's at the crux of our 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 way of life. Yeah. We have to rely on that. We have to trust in that. And if anybody is opposed to fair elections, my question there is, well, what are you for? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. All right, man. Well, I think this was a great episode. Yeah. No, I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. I appreciate you coming in. Is there any uh, parting thoughts you want to leave with uh, no, all, I, our listeners out you there? You know, I... A, I appreciate that you're starting to do this kind of thing. Um, I think I've seen a lot of people just 
realize that you got to use your voice. Uh, you know, I, I don't like the, the goofy term. If you don't use it, you lose it. But like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, anymore. Like, well, right now you do. You, you, we need to practice our freedoms. And, right. uh, you know, that's uh, whatever one that you want to go for, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, as far as like politicians, like I said, what are they going to actually do? What kind of policy are they going to look at? Because you know what? Uh, that's what I want to know. It's just like the same thing. Like if you hire somebody to put an air conditioner in, are you like, well, are you nice? Like, are you a jerk? Like, <laughs> right. no, like I want to know what price you're going to give me. And is my house going to be cold? Like politicians are no different. You're hiring them to do a job. And so, you know, I, I wish more people looked at that than like, oh, my God, he's got tattoos, like, you know, or he's got that conservative hat on. You know, right. I don't know if I trust this guy. But right. so, I mean, that's the only thing I would say, because, uh, you know, what, they're just they're people right. like, just like you and me. And that's all you should want. And and hey, if you want to step up and do it, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't, because uh, that's what our country is. All walks of life. Whatever you want to go chase, go chase it and get it. Like that's, you know, the the thing that I love. And that's why I try to teach my kids like, hey, if you want to do it, go get it. Absolutely. Like it, every, anything's possible if you put your mind to it. Absolutely. So. Well, with that, David, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming in. And as always, to everybody out there listening, if you found value, you know, our goal here is to bring you value. So if you found value in uh, this episode or in the other episodes, uh, please do us a favor. Uh, please rate us on whatever platform you're listening on, whether that's uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you're at. Um, also, if you found value, please share it. Please share it with somebody that might find value in this. Maybe somebody, a friend or a family member needs to hear this message that we have going out. So please share it. You know, we don't do any advertising on this show. Uh, we're, we're not monetizing. We're just giving back. So all we ask of you is to just do the same thing for us. If you ever want to communicate with us, you can do so uh, via email at uncommonpodcast at outlook.com. So with that, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.